Hi, and welcome back to the I Wonder Why podcast. I'm your host, Glenn McCarty, and as always, we are on the web at iwonderwhy.wordpress.com. And oh, I know what that sound means. That sound can only mean one thing, and that is it must be time to get to class. That's right. This is a special back-to-school edition of the I Wonder Why podcast. And in keeping with that theme, I am proud to welcome uh, a recent student, now professional, uh, artist uh, to the show. And in just a minute, we're going to be hearing an interview with a very talented young dimensional illustrator by the name of Anna Overmoyer who is just starting out, uh, recently completing college and starting out her professional life. And I'm excited to share the interview with you. She has some great things to say about what exactly a dimensional illustrator is and uh, what she has learned both from her time in official school uh, and her time uh, in the school of life. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so... um, That is exciting, and uh, before we get into the interview, I have a couple things I want to share with you. First of all, um, I have a poem that I would like to share. Uh, This is a poem that I wrote to sort of commemorate the ending of of summer and the beginning of fall, uh, and all of the the memories that summer brings with it, and all of the excitement and all of the sadness, uh, in a sense, that ending one thing always brings with it, especially when summer uh, is full of so many good things. Um, so anyway, this is a poem called Goodbye Summer. If you're interested in reading the text of it, I've, I've posted that um, as well on the website. So, Goodbye Summer. On your way out the door, you tracked dirt across the freshly mopped kitchen floor, threw open the refrigerator, popped some blueberries in your mouth, guzzled lemonade from the pitcher, and raided the freezer for one last fudgesicle. You left the yard littered with our toys, plastic lawnmower, water gun, wooden sword, eye patch, bike helmet, soccer ball. In the sandbox, my street steamroller lies where you buried it, its dinosaur driver still at the controls, the road half-finished in its path. Mom said to clean them up last week. You winked and said, don't worry, there's time to play tomorrow. Tomorrow. Throughout the cloudless days of green July, you whispered the word in my waking ear like a spell to summon morning. Sitting beside me at the breakfast table, you tapped your toe and hummed as I slurped the last drops of milk. Before I was done, you threw open the screen door and bolted into the backyard. I hunted on wet knees through the rye grass until I found you in the meadow as the chubby caterpillar munching milkweed. You appeared under the apple tree, a white-tailed fawn, ears twitching, in that frozen second before our eyes met and you galloped past the pines. One steamy afternoon, I clutched you as a fat-bodied toad with slippery olive skin, legs coiled to spring. Tucking you in my pocket, I climbed the birch beam ladder to the treehouse and read you stories of the silly old bear, the mole and the toad, and the boy wizard as the supper call rang like a distant bell. Only then did I set you free and you hopped away into the space between the peonies and the rhubarb plant, beyond the picket fence where the grass grows wild. I rode the back of August like an iridescent bubble, marking time in the coo of morning doves, the cicada buzz, and the lullaby of crickets sawing their gentle one-two, one-two. Last night I drowsed with the smoke of campfire on my hair, cheeks smeared with chocolate, eyes thick with sleep, nose full of the smell of fresh mowed grass, chlorine, and sunscreen. 
Tomorrow I will awaken to your brother falls, whispers. Come away to a fresh adventure. Sharpened pencils, lunch boxes, sandwiches and milk, books yet unopened and friends unmet. A part of me is scared to think of all the changes which await in this new season. But until you return next year, I say farewell, friend, and thank you for stopping here. Okay, without further ado, we're going to get to our interview with Anna Overmoyer. Before we do that, though, I would, I would encourage you to just hit pause right now on your device, whatever you're listening to this to, and check out Anna's website. It's Anna Sketch Studio, altogether.blogspot.com. And the reason I ask you to do that is because uh, she's got some great illustrations that she'll be talking about during our interview, and I think it will be awesome to have a good frame of reference for uh, her artwork before you begin. So pause. And then come back and uh, and check out the interview. So, Anna Overmoyer, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on this episode of the I Wonder Why podcast. Um, really appreciate it. I should say again, I think I said at the beginning of the show, but if you haven't already, this probably will make a lot more sense if you've checked out Anna's art first, before because we might be talking about some different pieces, and uh, if you haven't seen them, you'll have to create the art in your mind, and that will be um, rather challenging. So why don't you go to annasketchstudio.blogspot.com and look at some of these pieces first, and then, if you haven't already done that, then hit pause and come back and listen to the rest of this afterwards. So, uh, okay. So, um, I guess I would start by asking you to explain uh, what is meant by dimensional illustration um, because that's kind of your niche niche however you would say that <laughs> <laughs> well hello thank you for inviting me um, and thanks for the plug <laughs> <laughs> um, dimensional illustration is sort of my way of saying um, it's it's illustration like you'd see it drawings or something, only I'm trying to do it in the third dimension. So it has sort of a tangibility and relatability. It's, it's sort of based off a class that we had in college where I sort of blossomed. And I really got to liking that style, and that's what I've always been calling it. So. <laughs> um, why does it appeal to you? Um, is it just that idea of kind of adding that third dimension to an illustration to give it that extra um, life? Or I don't know. Why, why does it appeal to you? Uh, it's something that not everybody is doing. And I think it looks cool. And it gives it a unique style that I've always sort of been drawn to in sort of stop motion movies like uh, Tim Burton and Leica movies. Um, yeah, I guess that, and <laughs> I've, I've always liked sculpting as well. Yeah, I guess it does kind of combine a couple of those elements. It's almost like, as you said, sculpting, I was thinking, oh yeah, you get to, you get to make stuff, but it's, it's almost like combining illustration with, um, with sculpting, which is really kind of a cool, a, a cool process, I would think for you as an artist, um. You know, it has a cool look, I agree, but I think it also, I don't know, is it, is it part of the process of kind of sculpting and, um, you know, illustrating with sculptures? Is that kind of what makes it cool? Yeah, um, 
I think it's also the fact that I sort of always want to be in charge of everything. <laughs> and, and this sort of allows me to do that. I can I can act through the faces of my puppets. I can be the set designer, the costume designer, the casting. I get to direct and light and photograph and do every little bit of it. And it's really fun. <laughs> yeah, and the attention to detail is got is required. I mean, you just I mean, uh, you have to be have a, a strong eye for detail if you're creating these worlds, these little worlds. Um, so I guess that would appeal to someone who's like, I have to be in control of everything because you you have to you have to have an eye for detail because you can't just you know leave a, a thing blank. I don't know is is that eye for detail is that part of what makes it cool as well? I think so. It it uh, I'm really drawn to illustrators who illustrators and sculptors who add a ton of things to find in their work. And I suppose it's in every aspect of any kind of art where you just can keep looking at it and keep looking at it and keep finding something new every time. So you really have to put a lot of conscious decisions in your artwork so that people won't get tired of it. It's very labor intensive, though, I would think. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, can you take us through the process of like, I, I, I found from doing this podcast already that when I ask people about a quote unquote typical experience of creating something, um, that, that, that just there isn't there isn't such a thing. And I should have known that going in, like what, what's typical. But I'm going to ask anyway. Um, <laughs> can you kind of take <laughs> us through the process of like, the steps and that are involved in in maybe uh, a representative there I didn't use the word typical I used the word representative a representative project um, like what are the steps involved in building one of these things and creating it and kind of how long some of those process steps take uh, usually especially when you're working with someone else I have to or when I'm working with someone else I have to start with a sketch um, that usually gets pretty detailed and that's where you make all the changes and uh, communicate all your ideas through the sketches and um, other artists have told me how important sketches are too because if you if you get too much into the prog the process of making it um, then it loses its its movement and its charm uh, so I usually start with a sketch and spend a lot of time on that and then I I usually start with a puppet because I love puppets more than anything else. <laughs> uh, start with a wire or a skeleton, sort of, with the sort of movement that my character and my sketch does have, and uh, do the sculpting on the clay, and then make costumes and paint it, and make all the little sets out of whatever I can find. How big are these uh, are these puppets that we're talking about? Um, my smallest one is about two inches tall, and my biggest one is about a foot tall. So still, even at a foot, like that's, that's very, I mean, that's, that's kind of tiny, I would think, because then you're taking, <laughs> I mean, you're sculpting, but then like you said, you're, you're making a costume and, you know, you're dressing this little tiny 
person. My son and I just got through reading Stuart Little actually tonight, in fact. Uh, and so I'm, I'm very comfortable with like picturing a two inch tall uh, person because that's how tall uh, Stuart is. So uh, you're basically dressing Stuart Little essentially. What do you, um, what do you, like you said, anything you can find lying around with costumes and with the sets, what are you, what are you making those out of? Mm, I've got a large pile of old clothes and just scraps of fabric that my mom had from all her sewing projects. Um, like clothes that you wear out or something that you aren't really suited to donate. I still find uses for them in either uh, the outside clothing or to stuff the puppets with. Mm -hmm. It all has a good home. <laughs> so some people are thinking Goodwill, and you're like, aha, puppet clothing, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I should start thinking that way, although, yeah, I don't know. That might creep my wife out. But, honey, we, we shouldn't throw that out. We can use that for a puppet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How long are these different steps in the process taking that you've just described uh, kind of going through? Oof. Um. I guess if it was just to make a puppet, that usually takes two full days um, of work and a ton of mess. <laughs> and if for everything else, I don't know, it really depends on how big it is and how how much back and forth you have to go on your sketches. And um, if you're working with a team, then it takes even longer, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that process that you just kind of outlined other than the size dictating, like you just said, like what, um, is that a process that you're fairly comfortable with and you feel like that's the natural way to do it? Or have you kind of moved some things around or taken longer, shorter, like as you've gotten done more of these types of projects? Uh, I have my classic puppet that I'm pretty comfortable with making, uh, that I have it pretty much set down how to do it. But then, um, that's more like the the work part of it. And then when I want to do something like a really personal project that I've, I've been thinking about for a really long time. Just a minute, sorry. Sure. Okay, yeah. Um, then it usually takes longer because I'm sort of playing and really enjoying the process. Yeah. Well, uh, I gotta ask, uh, why why puppets? If you could uh, if you could explain the, like you said, I I love puppets or something to that effect earlier on. Like uh, why? Like I said before, I get to be in charge of everything, and it sort of allows me to be part of the illustration because I get to I could get to make their face and their clothes and their expressions and move them around mm -hmm. and. I think people like them too. They relate to them. Have you always liked puppets? Not a question I thought I would ever ask. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I love. I'm crazy about puppets. I, I I think when I was a kid, Muppets and and everything like that. And I just you give me a puppet, and I'm like, I'm I'm at home. I can just you know, I'm over I'm oversharing. But that's just what this this podcast is about. Anyway, uh, have you always? Yeah, have you always liked puppets and and all that stuff? No, not really. I, you know, Great. Those, so it's uh, just it's just me. Great, that's that's awesome. <laughs> well, I like the Muppets and stuff like that, but um, 
those movies, those Christmas movies with the stop motion, like uh, uh, yeah, the frosty one, and there's a reindeer one. Yeah, sure. Like those the click creep me out so much. <laughs> those that's sort of what I'm doing now. But as a kid, those would scare me so much. Yeah, and well, now I love them. They don't <laughs> right. They they move. Is it the movement? Like they move. Maybe it, that was in me. a non. Well, and they don't have a range of expression either. They 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 sometimes have very yeah creepy facial expressions. Um, yeah, maybe it's the movement that scared me. Yeah. It's, it's it's better that they're uh, just standing still in line. It, and it's <laughs> it's not very fluid either. It's kind of like a sort of like herky jerky kind of yeah. I think of the <laughs> I think of the stop motion movies that are that are coming out now from like you said from like uh, and even from like um, oh you know the Wallace and Gromit folks and i mean you can obviously tell it's stop motion but it's so much more you know fluid than yeah. those like they're like in the like the rudolph one you mentioned like they're kind of dancing but <laughs> but they're kind of <laughs> what, what are they what are they doing <laughs> um so where do uh where do you feel like i know you've just recently finished school and so sometimes it's in in the school environment your ideas come from from someone saying to you here's what we'd, we'd like you to do next but let's say that not in those surroundings, but just kind of generally, where do some of your, you find some of your ideas coming from, your inspiration? I'm thinking about your Snow White piece, for example, or maybe any others that you could think of. Like, where do some of these independent ideas come from? Uh, they're usually things that I've, you know, all over the place. They just sort of something that I'll see and I won't really uh, think about art necessarily but then it'll fester and fester and I'll just come up with this idea that I'm like, yeah, that's something I really, really should do at some point. And then I usually don't for a really long time. And then I'll have a few moments where I should sketch something down and that's that ends up being what I do. I like stories, you know. I'm guessing from the name of your website that sketching, having a sketchbook is probably a part of your process then, like a... You know, um, where you, like you said, you have a few minutes, you have this idea that's been kind of going around in your head. You just kind of get a sketch down and give it some kind of permanence so that later on maybe you can develop it more. Yeah. In fact, uh, I probably don't sketch as much as I should. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, this is sort of like a back to school themed episode of the podcast since it's going to be coming out right before. Um, we we here in the Northeast go back to school, although people in other parts of the country have been back in school for a couple of weeks. Uh, sad, pathetic folks. But so I'm I'm curious if we could kind of go back in time to young Anna. Um, you had mentioned your mom earlier. Uh, I don't know if you had to reflect and be reflective. Um, what uh, did your parents do? do to encourage your creativity? What are some key ingredients to a creative childhood? Well, they, we always had a lot of art supplies around because my parents were both artists um, in school, especially my mom. So we always had paints lying around and lots of paper. And I think that it was just that they allowed me, they gave me the materials and they let me go wild with like paint and they'd give me tips and stuff, but I usually didn't listen to it and just, you know, just colored coloring books, one color 
entire pages and <laughs> made a mess with watercolor. But yeah, it was really fun and a good environment to grow up in. Yeah, so more just the encouragement that and the access than than anything like technique wise. I guess that's encouraging uh, to me because I'm not an, a visual artist whatsoever, and uh, I feel like the the only the only thing I've got is I can just give my kids lots of stuff and I can provide opportunities, but as far as the technique, uh, you know, <laughs> you're gonna have to go somewhere else for that, buddy. Because yeah. Um, okay, so the, in, the arts in, in school are kind of a hot-button issue. A lot of people who are pro-arts are talking about how, you know, they're phasing arts out of, out of public schools, and um, it's definitely, I think, controversial in that sense. Um, but I don't know. As someone who I would guess was fairly artistic and interested in that from the time you were young, how were your experiences as an artist uh, kind of growing up through school? Did you feel like you were repressed? You can admit it now. Were you stifled? Did you have your creativity stifled? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Good. The they probably, um, Mrs. Wylot, the art teacher, probably uh, gave me way too much scope. Um, when I wanted to do a full-sized man sculpture, she you know, took it out of the budget to give me so much clay that I was so happy and uh, gave me a huge wall to paint on. It was really encouraging. That's good. Uh, <laughs> nothing controversial here. That's it's good. Not at all, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I wasn't trying to stir the pot. I just, you know, I, I, um, I think that people would be interested, adult people out there would be interested to kind of hear are the contra is the controversy like over exaggerated, you know, are, um, are the arts really, really suffering Are kids not having any time to play and explore and paint. And I don't know if you even remember elementary school, but, um, you know, I, I, I would think that you, you would have had that kind of time to do that kind of exploration and creativity and all that stuff. Do you remember anything like that? Uh, yeah, I I only know what I experienced myself, so I can't say really what I was missing or what's missing now. Uh, but I have fond memories of kindergarten and elementary school painting and stuff like that. Um, but I, n I never felt stifled, but I did... I did have a sense that they were low on paint. I don't know if that's really what you're looking for, but <laughs> again, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to move the interview in any direction. I'm just curious. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Part of me thinks that um, you know, creativity finds a way. You know, and that if you are someone who are just really interested in expressing yourself through visual arts, especially or anything else, like you know, you can you can use just a little time and a little bit of material and you can make a ton out of it. It can have such a huge impression on you. So I don't know. I'm not terribly worried that like there's some giant conspiracy to ruin arts or something like that. But I should mention, you did say that she gave you a wall to paint on. Um, you're talking about a, a mural that you were allowed to paint as a senior in high school. Is that right? Yeah. 
which is pretty yeah, a pretty cool you. opportunity, I would think. Like you said, kind of <laughs> believing in you. Yeah, and it's it's kind of a creepy mural too. <laughs> so <laughs> good on them. Such, right. <laughs> such trust. <laughs> yes. Um, so other than other artists, uh, sculptors and stuff, um, what else do you feel like feeds your, um, imagination and your kind of ideas and inspires you? Are there other, um, stories or movies or music or anything like that? Where else do you go other than just the visual arts for your inspiration? Um, besides other art, I guess... I, yeah, I do, really do like stories. As an illustrator, I'm very inspired by fairy tales, by folklore, um, all the stories that you heard as kids. And I guess part of that would be books that I looked at when I was little with kids, books, illustrations. Um, but I guess that, that gets into the art. <laughs> Well, but it's it's that marriage of art and story. I think that's what makes a picture book such a magical thing is that it's not, I mean, that's what they say is it's neither one is supposed to overpower the other. The story is supposed to kind of be married to the art. And so if you were just to look at the art without the story, it wouldn't quite have the same effect and vice versa. I mean, I think that's what's, um, it's kind of like, almost like when you go to see, I don't know, maybe you haven't had this. When I go to see a musical, if I ever go to see a musical, and like I go and I listen to the soundtrack, like later on, I'm like, oh, it's just, it's not quite the same, you know? Cause like, it's like the stories with the, or the, the songs with like the story taken out, you know? And it's just not quite as powerful. And I think that's what makes a picture book so great. Is it's not, it's not just the art, it's the art in the context of, you know, the story, which is such a cool thing. Um, you mentioned Tim Burton having an influence on you. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Uh, that's what most people say when they see my artwork is like at festivals, people will be like, Oh, I can tell you're inspired by Tim Burton. And that used to annoy me so much because, you know, I wanted to be my own person. I want to be my own artist and didn't without any inspiration of any sort from anybody else. And then I realized how stupid that was because, I mean, he's a great artist. And um, and if that's what they think of when they see my art, then, I mean, geez. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a great compliment. So. Um, now, you have interned for two years over the summer um, out in, in Oregon with Leica. Um, can you just explain a little bit about um, kind of what you got to do out there? Uh, yeah, they they hired me on as an intern for the art department, which is not puppets, um, but it is sets and um, props. So I worked alongside some really fantastic artists that you might not know their names, but you'd know their work. Um, and uh, some of the guys that I was working with right next to in the same room with uh they worked on um nightmare before christmas and one his earliest movie that he had worked on was beauty and the beast by disney hmm. it was just incredible the people <laughs> um i also spend a lot of time making little flowers out of wire and paper 
and glue and paint. <laughs> <laughs> that was my probably the place that I did the best in was the greens department, as they called it. And um, I also had a great time sculpting alongside the model makers who and we made you know like all the tiny little things that you don't notice but you'd notice if they weren't there mm -hmm. um little you know piles of garbage <laughs> in the streets or something like that and then everything that they made in there would go to the mold making department where they would make the original sculpt into a mold and make about 50 more of them exactly the same and then they'd paint them and it was mind-boggling. I had no idea that's how it worked before. <laughs> what uh, what kind of takeaways about you know about creativity uh, did you have you come away from these these this experience out there with like what what did you kind of learn about creativity that you maybe didn't know before you went out there? It's something to be coveted. <laughs> there. When I was there, it didn't, uh, creativity was there, but it was, everyone was sort of following the same pattern. We had a style guide that we had to follow. And, um, you know, if a lot of things that went through the model making department wouldn't fit the style exactly and they'd have to go back. And I mean, there was, there were bits of creativity that the artists would put in to each individual piece, but it was sort of um, already set in stone by the director and the concept artists. Um, and so when you got home from a working there, it was great to be able to do your own projects and really let it run wild the way you want it to. Yeah, that's interesting. That is an interesting takeaway. I would think um, that makes sense, you know, with some of the big studios um, that they have a, a vision of how they want a particular color palette or style or whatever they want for a film that um, it kind of trickles down into the lower levels. Uh, what, and not the lower levels, but, you know, like even the foundational levels, everything kind of has to fit that. Um, that's, that's interesting. Uh, was that more inspiring or frustrating or just kind of neither or something else? to kind of realize that? Uh, it was frustrating for me because that's not what I thought it was at all. <laughs> but also <laughs> extremely enlightening. Um, and that's sort of what inspired me to do freelancing because it is, it is being everything. You have to do all the hard parts, all the boring parts, but you also get to decide the style you get to be the concept artist and the director. Yeah. As opposed to trying to, at this point in your career, kind of immediately channel yourself into someone else's vision, um, which I would think could be could be rather limiting in terms of your um, like how exciting it gets to be, because you don't have as much <laughs> you don't have as much control over things. Yeah. Um, was the collaboration at all? Uh, different or, or kind of exciting. I know, you know, me being a writer, a lot of the creative pursuits are more like solitary. <laughs> and so I, I wonder what it was like being in a working environment 
around a whole bunch of other people kind of on a, on a project, you know? That part was great. I loved the people that I was working with. Uh, and they'd constantly be coming around and, you know, they had jokes around the office and things that they'd say. And it was just really great being part of that environment, especially when they, like, they were just such idols to me. Like, I had seen their work and they would just sort of mention something that they did when they were working on The Hobbit or something like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I just Tell me to... more. Tell me everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i think that collaboration can be can be i mean not just from a creative standpoint but just like a human being standpoint like people jokes laughter like conversation <laughs> you know uh not just the sound of my own like breathing uh to keep me company uh <laughs> um so i guess to kind of wrap up um and again, this is sort of reflective, but I don't know, like if you look back at you like five years ago, um, how do you feel like, what do you feel like you understand about your own self and your voice as an artist, your style, I guess, that you didn't really kind of know um, at that point? Five years ago, I was a senior in college. I, or I'm sorry, senior in high school. Um, I was scared. I think that my, um, my work was too varied and I had no idea where I really wanted to go with it. Just like when you're little, I mean, if you want to be an artist, you essentially think you're going to be a painter because that's what artists are. And if you're going to be a writer, you're going to write novels and... Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's very uh, pinpoint perspective, and and I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to succeed in that because I'm not the best painter there is, and I didn't really know if I would find my niche, and, and that was most of college. <laughs> I was sort of everywhere with it, and I did sculpture, I did huge sculpture, I did... Um, painting I did drawing and I liked it all but I wasn't really overwhelmingly good at any one thing so I think that was it that I was not sure where I was going to go with it <laughs> yeah um okay well I guess you mentioned a little bit about being in in the freelance world now what kind of work are you available to do Right now, anything. <laughs> I I am uh, just starting out, so anything that pays is worth it. I was told by many artists and illustrators that you can't be picky right away with what you get uh, because you learn something from everything, especially the hard jobs. So... Um, Right now, I've been doing a lot of uh, family portraits in sort of like a quirky, caricature-y way. Mm -hmm. You could be, equate that to Tim Burton if you like. I've um, seen I've seen them. I don't. I wouldn't. Uh, in a good way, I would not compare them to Tim Burton. I think they're more of oh. a. Uh, I think they're more of like an Overmoyer type style. Um. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Okay, so just I, I know I think I said last question, but just one last like part B. Um, I feel like in keeping with the school back to school theme, uh, if if there are any young artists uh, listening. Um, I know I have just an incredible following with this podcast, totally, and a large percentage <laughs> of them happen to be young artists. Um, <laughs> I don't know, like, what what would you say to someone who's still in school and and loves art and loves to draw and paint and do whatever, sculpt? I don't know everything. Um, I don't know, like, what would you what would you say to them? I had a feeling you're going to ask something like that. So I put a lot Good. of Good. I'm glad I asked it then. <laughs> you should have like forced me to ask it, you know, like, hey, I have, I have an idea. Why don't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, my, what I'd say to aspiring artists um, in high school is don't worry about style so much because you have your own intrinsic style built into you that um, it will show through. And even if you're inspired by whomever, um, don't, because if you, if you like their work enough, if you like their style, then it'll show through in your, and the most important part is to develop your skill and your style and clean it and clean it and clean it. I like that because I think that has, that's applicable like across, across disciplines. I mean, I, I, I can think of that in terms of right reason drawn to is because they represent something of us. And I don't, you're right, I don't know that we need to be like that, but that sort of just tunes into some natural inclination that we have. Um, and so that's kind of why we're drawn to them. Yeah, that's great. Um, I'm glad I asked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. All right. Well, once again, uh, the, her website is Anna Sketch Studio, uh, blogspot.com. I'll put a link up on the website. Um, and, uh, Check it out. Thank you very much, Anna. Um, we understand you're headed to Ireland in the near future, so uh, good luck with that. Uh, thanks. Yes, tour. Uh, and uh, have a good have a good night. Uh, thanks a lot for uh, coming on the show. I appreciate it. You too. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Bye. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for joining us, and I want to say a special thank you to Anna Overmoyer for joining us this week. Uh, once again, her website is annasketchstudio.blogspot.com, and I hear she does mean family portraits. I don't mean mean like mean she bites. I mean mean like good, you know, you dig my slang there. Uh, anyway, uh, get to class, all you crazy kids, and come back next time for some more fun and frivolity on the I Wonder Why podcast. Thanks a lot. See you later.